Good morning. Um, I would like to say welcome to Cornerstone this morning. Um, yes, good morning. Um, I love Jenny. Um, this morning is a little bit different, as you can see. One of the things that I hold dear and high in, in coming to church is one thing that we would experience Jesus. I think everything else is secondary. So rather we experience Him through worship, through communion, through prayer, through the offering or the preaching of the Word, it really doesn't matter as long as we experience Him. So this morning I realized that we have some new people in the crowd and we just want to say welcome. This is a little bit different of a morning. Um, and, you know, I'll probably have to answer for this chair later, being on the... Um, being on the, uh, whatever you call this, the platform. But there's a reason I did it, and I was sharing with my wife, honey, I think I'm going to do this, there's a purpose, and she laughed at me. And I said, honey, it's not funny, this is serious. Ha, 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 she continued to laugh. So the reason I did this, one thing, it is comfortable. And uh, one of the things that I have a problem with is even in heavy situations, how I deal with them is I laugh. And so I, but I want to make this a heavy day for us because it is the day that we pray for the persecuted church. I have lived this reality that we see in the video today. I've lived, lived the reality of saying, hey, honey, if I don't come home today, if the, um, the police have left and something happens to me, you know it was the police's fault. I've had to sit down and count the cost. I went to a Muslim nation and took a family whom I loved and cared for. And I remember in 2008 specifically when there was murders that had taken place in a city called Malatya. Three people lost their lives in a violent death. And um, it was really hard on me because the guy that had really inspired me in the year 2000 as a student. And I went to Turkey. He was a South African and he um, was really doing a lot of things for the Lord. And actually he took me out with him one day, took me under his arms for a day. And I connected with him and um, we passed out Bibles that day and then he got rested that afternoon. And as a young American, I was like, shucks, I wish I could have been with him to get arrested. And then I would have a badge <laughs> to say I've been arrested for the gospel. But this man was really a great encouragement to me, and his name's Martin. He's from South Africa, just like the people from this video. And he was going to do something that was extraordinary for the kingdom of God, but yet a very ordinary person. And as we went, I went three times to Turkey before we actually moved there, and the last time we went there, he challenged our team to go to Malatya and pray, because they were going to start a new work there. So as 24, 25, 26-year-olds, we did our best, and we went to the city of Malatya, which is a very tough place to be. And we prayed for the groundbreaking of God's kingdom to come into the city. And there was no work being done there, nothing happening. So we prayed, and we paved the way, I feel, one of many that paved the way there. And then Martin and his family, they moved there. They started a publishing company and it was very successful. And this guy was really anointed by God to speak the language and to speak to the people. Well, he got kicked out. 
before this all took place. And then what happened? He, um, he left, and then in 2008, it, it rocked the nation of Turkey. Three people that were there, and under his leadership, they were murdered for the sake of Christ. I remember hearing it on the news and just kind of weeping because one thing I thought my friend had been murdered. And another thing is that, again, the cost is in your face. This could be me. This could be my family. So this morning, as as I share with you, it is a heavy heart. I'm here. Why am I sitting in this couch? Why are you sitting on that pew? Because it's a lot easier place to speak from than if we were actually in the midst of persecution. That's why I'm sitting here. It's kind of like the Green Bay Packers. Excuse me. A couple weeks ago, they really were looking terrible. And then Monday morning, everybody was speaking how the Packers were doomed. I've never heard anything like it. And it reminds me of what we do in the church so often. We sit back and we're relaxed because there's really not a price to be paid for the faith that we hold so dear. And why I think this morning is so special, and I don't know how long I'll preach this morning because I know it was heavy, I know we looked a lot on the cross, but the only reason these people can suffer for the sake of Christ is because they actually found value in that cross. They actually found value that they were in darkness and now they're in great light. They didn't choose this day to wake up and say, hey, here I am, kill me. They see something of great value. And you see in Matthew 13, verses 44 and 45, the pearl of great price. That a man found a pearl, uh, or found a treasure, and the treasure in the field, and it's like the kingdom of heaven, Jesus tells us. He found that treasure, and then he went and sold everything. In order to purchase this field, he gave everything. And you see... That's why the title um, this morning is Doctrine of Persecution, but it also is, as Open Doors has, that we pray with them, we don't pray for them. And so this morning, I want to bring us to an experience that is not just about them, and that we're praying for them, but we are praying with them, because 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six says, And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice With it, we have our brothers and sisters that are suffering throughout the world. And see, when I think of this and I think of how we honor our own soldiers, we have days, we have memorial days that we honor the soldiers and that is right. So if you have served the United States of America, fought for our freedom, I honor you this morning. I don't want to devalue your service But I think there's something that just is just as important that we as a church need to look at is those who suffer for the sake of Christ. And so often we look at his national pride and and as we should, and we worry about those that are kneeling at the national anthem or not when we have people that are suffering for the sake of Christ. So I want to talk about the doctrine of persecution this morning, and I'll talk about a little bit of what doctrine is. But first I want to point out to you real quick, as you see the map here, this is the persecuted church. You see this um, right here, I'll do my best to mark it, right here, this color right here, that is a, a high probability of persecution. 
You see these places and these. Turkey's one of them. And then I want to point out this place up here. That I know you can't see it very well, but it's the Caucasus that the reason they don't have its circles is because nobody's there sharing the gospel. But if you do, you're going to die. Russia won't even let people go into their own land because of that. And then you have this color right here. It's a high possibility of persecution. And then you've got these colors right here that is an extreme, extreme possibility of being persecuted for the faith. You even see Mexico and you see Colombia. In these areas, and I want you to know these areas right here, I can't, sorry, I know I'm marking this map up, but right here, the reason this area is so unengaged, this is the unengaged world, is because there's a price to be paid to go there. And as a mobilizer, before I came here to pastor the church, we were challenging those that Jesus was actually worthy enough to go to these places. Actually, Jesus was worthy enough to give your life for this. And so although I have not actually had my life threatened for the Gospel, I have had to go into an office with police outside of my office building cleaning their guns in total intimidation. And so I do know what it is like a partial of what it is to be in these nations and have a fear. And the thing about this video that we watched and we looked at is that often we're thinking Muslim, 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 and it is because why I'm focused on the Muslim world, I served there eight years, but it's also because it's one of the largest unengaged, unengaged people group. What does that mean? It means there's no gospel. There's nobody there sharing the gospel. But yet there's still high persecution going on in Laos, Vietnam, and China. India, Thailand, that you pay Philippines, you pay a great price for the kingdom of God. You see, in North Korea, the very act of owning a Bible can mean instantaneous death. And so I brought my Bibles up here, and I promise you I have more than this. And it's funny because every time I kind of grow a little bit dull, and I'll give you one of my spiritual disciplines, I buy a new Bible. Because it brings freshness. I don't know, there's something about it that I really like, and I'm sure some of you can relate, but yet I can go to the store and buy this, yet there are people that, that will die for this. And then in Iraq, just a few thousand Christians now remain after ISIS has infiltrated the country in 2014. In Syria, the same thing is happening. You see, in Iraq and in Syria, you don't know this, but before we took over and before the war happened, there were great freedoms for Christians. But now that there has been a vacuum, there is a great persecution that has taken place to purge the Christians from that land. And I would like to say that that's not going to happen. There's actually people movements now in Syria, in Iraq. And there's been people movement in Iran towards Christ for a long time now. Listen to this. In northern Nigeria, an average of five churches are attacked every single Sunday. When I read that, I was like, that is amazing. Five churches. In Colombia, pastors are targeted and often killed by guerrilla groups and drug cartels who view the gospel as a direct threat to their way of life. And I just want you to know this. It is a fact 
that Christianity is contrary to the world system. And that if you are a true disciple of Christ, you are a very threat to the systems that you live in. So we're not praying for them, we are praying with them. And I want us to put ourselves in such a place that we are actually imagining ourselves this morning that we could be persecuted for our faith. It could actually cost you your life. And you see why I picked the doctrine of persecution? I was like, hmm, that could be touchy. But you see, a doctrine is what the whole Bible teaches us today about some particular topic. And I see through the whole Bible that persecution is part of the Christian life. A major doctrine is one that has a significant impact on our thinking about our other doctrines or that has a significant impact on how we live the Christian life. That's a major doctrine. A minor doctrine is one that has very little impact on how we think about other doctrines and very little impact on how we live the Christian life. Why do we not consider this a doctrine in the Western world? And a major doctrine is because we don't have to face it on a regular basis. But see, if you look at the other three-fourths of the world, or more, they have to deal with persecution on a regular basis. And this funny thing about this video is that lady, I read the article, Before she went to serve in Afghanistan, she was a pastor's wife and she was a nominal Christian. I asked my wife to read the article and I said, what sticks out? You're going to see something. I shouldn't have baited her that much, but what sticks out to you? And it was the, the aspect that the lady was honest and said, before I went to Afghanistan, I just was a nominal Christian. But yet the Lord chose her to suffer and her family to suffer for the sake of Christ. And so often we think of these heroes, and in a way they are heroes, but in a way they're just like you and I. They're willing to pay a price for the gospel. And you see, what does the Bible say about persecution? And I'll go real quick. It says, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for right living. For theirs is the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your servant in heaven, for your reward in heaven is great, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we talked about this. And Jesus is saying, blessed. He says this in Luke 6.22. He says, Blessed are you when people hate you. And when they exclude you. And when they revile you and spurn you. And your name is as evil on the count of the Son of Man. When I read this verse, I hate that verse. I have to be honest with you. Why? Because I like people to like me. I like to be included. I like my name. I believe it's a godly thing to have your name as a good name in the community. I believe those things. And then when I look at what Jesus says, I'm like, wow, Jesus. This costs me something. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said, and I I like this because I get it. Oh, tis a meanness most detestable 
to stab a good man in his reputation. But a diabolical hatred observes no nobility in its mode of warfare. We must be ready for this trial, for, for it will surely come upon us. If God was slandered in Eden, we shall surely be maligned in this land of sinners. Gird up your loins, ye children of the resurrection, for this fiery trial awaits you all. And again, another time, Spurgeon said, When we are slandered, it is a joy that the Lord knows us. And it cannot be made to doubt our uprightness. He will not hear the lie against us, but He will hear our prayer against the lie. And you talk about a man that is a giant in the faith, but persecuted on a daily basis. It was Charles Spurgeon. So much so that he was depressed all the time. And then in John 15, 20, we see, Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And honestly, and I hate to burst your bubbles, according to the Scripture, persecution should not surprise us. But we should be surprised when we're not persecuted. That says something to me. And so as I was reading over this material and thinking about the future and thinking about where I am and where we are, I look at that and and as I went to the funeral for the one that was murdered, the Turkish guy that was murdered, and I met the foreign missionaries and saw the scars on them and they talked about it, I realized it just upped the ante for my life is that these guys have paid a price for sharing the gospel in a Muslim nation. Why? Because they saw the worthiness of the cross. You see, there's nothing more important to us as the cross. But then you go to the resurrection life, so He's not just there on the cross, but that cross says something that He paid my debt in full, and now I am going to live a life that is worthy unto Him. And we see this in Romans 5, verse 3-5. through And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings about per- perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so I want to challenge you this morning is not to feel sorry for the persecuted church. They are actually in better company than we are. Why do I say that? Because we worry about how nice our car is. We worry about how nice our home is. We worry about just different things, how much I'm going to spend this Christmas. Yet they have a greater joy and their character is being proven over and over and over. And so often we feel sorry for them, but their character again is being refined over and over again to where they are becoming more like Jesus. And then let's look at Acts 8, 1-3 through real quick. And what persecution does. 
On that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. But because of that very act of Saul, of Tarsus, which later would become Paul, the apostle, the gospel spread to nations where it never would have went if it wasn't for this persecution. You see, the church was just by itself, just like often we do on a Sunday morning. We meet here and then we go out and we do life. But the persecution came and the people were forced to take the gospel elsewhere. You see, persecution, as harsh as it is, it spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should not feel sorry for them. We should pray with them. And what else does persecution do? Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. And then the next two verses, pretty cool. You guys have heard me say this a lot. About the spread of the gospel despite selfish ambition. But you see, Paul's imprisonment was great courage to the fearful believers of that day. And because Paul was in prison, the whole Praetorian Guard heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only that, the gospel spread throughout all of Rome and throughout all of Asia Minor through great persecution. And how can the persecuted church encourage us? Before I came here to be the lead pastor here, I was a mobilizer for frontiers, and you see me sitting on this panel. And the only reason I show you this picture is I didn't belong there. Why didn't I belong there? I feel. And I don't feel inadequate. I'm, you guys know I feel very confident until I came here. <laughs> um, anyway, that's another sermon <laughs> for another time. These two ladies right here, from Iran spent months in a prison cell in Iran. These two ladies right here had spread the gospel throughout all of Iran. So much so that while they were in prison, the guards talked and were interrogating them daily on a daily basis. They said, we don't understand that there must be a million Christians out there because Bibles are going out everywhere. They thought the army of God was way bigger than what it was, but it's to these two women. Spread the gospel throughout all of Iran. And they were suffering for the sake of Christ in prison. And here I sit talking about missions, which is what I was doing. But when I left this, 
I was greatly encouraged. Not because I was on the panel, because there were people that were worthy, I was sitting next to that were worthy of the shame and the suffering of Jesus Christ. And I was very honored. So this morning as we wrap up, I want to encourage us, how should we respond to Christian persecution? And potentially persecution that may be coming our way. Instead of being so loud and proud and saying stop, stop, stop. Maybe we should again look at the word of God and say I'm not going to stray from the truth. You see we live in a time where politically correct is number one. Instead of valuing the values of God, we have changed and we've said that we value the fear of man over the fear of God. And I struggle with this myself. And that we're no longer standing on the truth and we're no longer ready to pay the price, but our brothers in the world are giving their lives for this Bible. Why are they giving their lives for this Bible? It's because they have found the glory of the cross. And the suffering. So how should we respond? We should pray for boldness. That's what Paul said in the the back of uh, Ephesians 6. Verses 18 through 19. After he was talking about spiritual warfare. He says pray at all times without ceasing basically. And pray for me that I may have boldness in my chains. So we can pray for the persecuted For boldness. Not that they would be out of it, but for boldness in the midst of it. You see, if they leave there and leave their situation, there won't be any more Christians in these areas to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those that don't know them. Think about it. If they escape where they're at, there's no more witness. And that is not right. They ask that we remember them and pray with them. Do you remember when the guy was in Iran jail for so long and the church prayed and prayed and prayed? I believe that was right, but I believe he was more effective in prison because there were people that were hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these ladies that were in prison, the gospel was going out daily. You see, this is an active and ongoing prayer, and I'll end here. It says, and if one member suffers, the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And I want to encourage us this morning that it is so important that we don't just sit down on our couches and our pews and stay there. We have to get up. You see, and if you could roll up the screen, please. You see, we need to pray as a congregation, and we already did. And then also, you need to be able to pray on your own. And it's very important. You see, we need to pray for them that they would be able to endure the persecution. And that they would share the gospel with their neighbors. Trust me, when you get into these situations, 
you don't want to share with anybody. We lived under a spirit of fear for six to eight months and didn't do anything during that time when we thought our lives were were at stake. It's hard. It's real. But see, from this point of view, I can say they should have been sharing the faith all the time. But until you get into that situation, you don't know how you're going to handle it. So we need to pray with them. And that they would love their persecutors. But as we end this morning, if the worship team could come, I want you to leave here as always with the joy of the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. But I want you to look to that cross. And I want you to think about it that there was a great price that was paid for you and I on that cross. There's a great price that was paid. That cross holds our all. Today, you can choose to live your life how you want to live it. Or you can choose a life how Christ wants you to live it. But I want you to know that cross has tremendous amounts of grace and mercy. So I asked the worship team this morning if we could sing a song, and it's going to be, I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And as that cross is up there this morning, I want you guys to, if you can, to look at it as you sing. But also, we got our hymnals. And what page is that? It's uh, 413. 413. So if you could stand with me and turn there. And we're going to sing this song together, but we're going to do it in mind of those that are being persecuted for their faith. Because they have found something way more valuable than anything else. And I believe God deems them as honored. And then I'll end us after we're done.